Good day and welcome to the Frontline Chatter Podcast. My name is Jaren Gibson with co-host Andrew Morgan. Um, it seems like it's been a little bit, Andy, since we recorded last. How are you doing today? It does feel like a very long time, doesn't it, Jerry? And I think I've, I've been so busy, obviously, dealing with the, the website updates and, and that kind of stuff, you know. So, uh, you know, it, it, uh, I am doing good. It's a bank holiday over here in Ireland. So I've had, uh, I've had my children for the last three days, and I'm going to be running back into work with a blissful smile on my face now tomorrow morning, if I'm brutally honest. But aside from that all as well, buddy, and how about you? Good. I'm um, just busy, kind of glad that conference season is kind of winding down. Um, was at Bryform Denver, and then... I think that's my last committed one for this year unless something else comes up. But happy to be done with that. And then I also had Daddy Dick here on Friday. Um, so that was a fun experience as well. And always happy when Mommy comes home and says, here you go, I'm done. I'm going back down the stairs to work. So um, <laughs> been doing good. Um, but today, happy to have uh, David Wagner on of, of Citrix. He's a principal product manager. He's uh, been at Citrix for a while. Been through a couple different products we'll talk about today. Um, more recently on Aptis. So how are you doing today, David? I'm doing great. Great to be here with you both today. Yeah, thanks for joining us, and uh, we're happy to have you on and help the, uh, in a help the, hopefully educate our listeners on on uh, the upcoming AppDisk feature that was announced at uh, Synergy. So um, before we kind of get into the meat of AppDisk, uh, kind of tell us about yourself, you know, kind of where you started in, at Citrix and where it's taken you to this journey where you're at today. Yeah, you know, I, I started at Citrix a while ago, probably going on um, just under 15 years, so... Actually, when I first came to Citrix, I was part of the uh, field readiness team um, with a lot of the uh, folks like Jay Tomlin and Ron Kniff that had been here for a while as well. And then I actually ended up in an interesting journey, um, ended up in product management. Remember Metaframe for Unix? Got that. Um, you know, I got to uh, retire uh, Video Frame when I came on board. And, uh, you know, over that course of that time, I've done a multitude of things, you know, 64-bit Metaframe, conferencing manager. I uh, worked on Password Manager, single sign-on for a while as well. And, uh, you know, over the last uh, four or five years, I've really just focused on a lot of the personalization technologies, profile management when we uh, got that from uh, Sapago, uh, PVD with our RingCube acquisition, you know, leading into Aptis today. And I'm also doing things now with AppDNA and AppV integration as well. Very nice. That, yeah, is, and- that is quite the uh, the roadmap, isn't it? There are so many products there. I, I lovingly sighed when you mentioned. I mean, particularly password manager. I love that product. I'm so I was so glad. I was so, I was so sad to see it go. So uh, yeah, that, that, it's uh, you know. I mean, video frame was a little before my time, but um, yeah, like you literally have touched on every kind of you know periphery product along the way. <laughs> yeah, video frame was before everybody's time. If that had waited probably 10 years, it would have done much better. <laughs> yeah, and add too, you know, uh, password manager single sign-on. Uh, I was sorry to see that go, especially the self-service password reset feature because that was one that uh, I deployed to every Platinum customer and it helped out a lot. Um, I've also used Unix too as well, Metaframe for Unix, deployed that at a couple of customers as well. So um, you have a very uh, very long history with, with Citrix. Um, so what was kind of your favorite product to work on out of the ones you mentioned? Well, you had to always love MetaFrame for Unix, right? I mean, that, that measured its uptime in Nobel scale, right, which is years. And, uh, you know, that thing just would churn away and run all the time. Conferencing Manager was a lot of fun, too. We ended up, you know, acquiring Expert City. So, you know, that kind of deprecated that because GoToMeeting kind of delivered on our vision for uh, Conferencing Manager. And quite honestly, you know, I love, you know, Profiles Group Policy and, and that type of technology as well. So I've really been enjoying and working a lot with the technologies I have now most recently. Very nice, awesome. yes. And the most recent one, you know, being AppDisk. So um, speaking of AppDisk and personal VDisk, um, you know, app streaming, profile management, all those pieces, 
um, different pieces, kind of, the, kind of the layer cake there. So can you kind of talk about the vision at Citrix for layering? Yeah, you know, I think um, layering's been discussed so long, it's, it's almost sort of unsure what exactly it means anymore. You know, I think fundamentally we all would just like to, you know, build things with Legos, right? I like really succinct things that are independent that I can snap together and assemble as I want. But I think just the nature of the operating system, the nature of applications just precludes that. So, you know, as much as we'd like one way to do everything, I think the reality is that that's just not a practical reality. In fact, we're usually lucky if you can find three ways to do things and narrow it down to that. Um, so at the end of the day, I think layering is just more about how do you manage heterogeneity and do it in a very consistent and invisible way. And, and I think that's a lot that we'll talk about today is where AppDNA comes into the picture to help you manage that complexity, help you understand how all the moving parts interact and help you identify the best way to deliver a given resource you know, through just a short list of technologies, whether it's, you know, app V, app disk, install, or whatever. So, yeah, so speaking of app disk, you know, it was just recently announced at uh, Synergy. So kind of give us an overview of what app disk is and kind of what's the, the, the process with that. Yeah, I think app disk is a way to look at, you know, how, how do we manage applications better? Um, you know, when we first acquired RingCube, we said, hey, let's deal with user installed apps first. Um, but the reality, that's just half the picture. Um, you know, IT still needs to figure out, you know, do I install all my apps into the base image? Do I install them all, you know, on, on ZenApp and deploy 100% of them that way? Do I do it all with AppV? And, you know, they all have, you know, areas that while they improve compatibility, you know, tend to be a challenge, you know, as you, as you mix and match them. So Aptis is just going to be a new way to be able to manage your applications independent of the base image. You know, how do you, how do you create a virtual disk that just um, contains the portion that you want um, extracted from the golden image? And we did that today with PVD. We just did it as a read-write layer for users. This is really just doing it as a shareable disk that could go across multiple OSs and, you know, just attach and deliver that payload as you need. So Aptis is just a better way to manage your applications and golden images. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I, the, 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 the application layering and, and streaming technologies um, have, have had a, you know, I've had a checkered past, I, the, well, particularly with, with streaming and uh, isolation. I mean, they were, they were great up front, but they were particularly difficult to do. And with the, with the explosion of, of, um, of app disk type solutions out there to really simplify that process, you know, just to allow them to install it like they natively would and attach it to the machine on, on, on boot or on logon is a, is a, is a really nice touch. I mean, obviously it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't cross over the isolation piece and, but there are products out there and, you know, Citrix are very friendly with, with, uh, Microsoft and, uh, and App fee for that use case. So you know, I when the announcement came out, it was it was it was it was well due, and um, I was I was very glad to see it from a, from a customer um, evangelist or a, or a Citrix evangelist point of view because it's um, it was it was the right move to make. You know. Well, yeah, and you pointed it out, which is you know we always have to be careful because we're always pining for that. I just want to do everything one way, but the reality is, is when you over rotate, you just create a new batch of problems. So. You know, Aptis doesn't say that you don't have app conflict issues anymore. You know, five, ten years ago, isolation was a de facto first step because so many conflicts exist, and that doesn't occur anymore. But you're still going to have applications that don't want to play well together. So, you know, as much as you want to do everything with Aptis, you're still going to need some isolation technology for the applications that need it. Yeah, because you're, you're going to you're gonna have different versions as well, not just different applications that can't play together, but maybe you want to deliver multiple versions of the same application also. 
or Java dependencies. .net. I mean, Java, <laughs> <laughs> the dirty word. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's funny though, David. You you hit the nail on the head, though. I mean, the biggest screaming issue for most enterprises at the moment, particularly if they're an Oracle or IBM house, is how do they maintain all of these bespoke? Excuse me, if I say crappy versions of Java between whatever applications they use from a web browser. It's 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 just a complaint that comes up over and over again. And I think the, the use case that you identified there is um is the key one. You know, when you've got these kind of middleware pro- programs that are bound to a vendor or, or product-specific piece of software, it, it it makes life very difficult for an enterprise to maintain that kind of golden image mentality. And I think that's where the the isolation piece comes in for a lot of people. Yeah, and you know that that's where you need something like AppDNA to navigate that, right? Because I, I don't want to upgrade Java and say, well, now these two apps work, but these eight don't. You know, before I institute that change, I want to know right away what those dependencies are so I can start managing those before I even roll it out to test. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, the problem here isn't going to be the layering technology. It's going to be the change management infrastructure that is required to really make this effective. Couldn't agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. Yep, and, and I second that as well. And um, you were talking about AppDisk and, and personal VDisk and, and the RingCube acquisition. And um, early on after Synergy, there were some things back and forth on Twitter. I even think on a blog post and comments too so you know we all know that app disk and personal vdisk come from technology acquired by ring cube but what are the differences between them you know we know that personal vdisk is read write and i think at first app disk will be read only so can you kind of you know differentiate the two products there for us well that's exactly it right i mean app disk is a read only layer and personal vdisk is something that's capturing the rights and persisting those um obviously it's derived from the same technology there it's it, they're going to have to coexist, right? Because let's say you take an app disk layer and deliver that to a user in the well-behaved application that stores all the applications settings and in the profile, everything's great, right? But you're going to still have applications that try to write to local machine or somewhere outside the profile that you're still going to want to persist those changes, you know, across the user's you know mobile experience, you know, as they move from machine to machine or session to session. So you know, the two are going to have to live together. Because even if the user's not installing apps, personal Vita still affords that what I would call a read-writable, you know, um, permanent uh, differencing disk that will persist those machine changes beyond what the profile would do. So they're, they're going to have to, you know, coincide and be together, but they're solving different use cases. And also with, with AppDisk, too, if it's not caught in the, the profile settings, it's not going to persist between changes or reboots in that, that, that case, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the point of an app disk is a read-only layer that can be shared across multiple sessions and even multiple images, right? So, you know, it's it's not going to be able to persist changes on a granular basis. You're going to need technology like personal VDisk if you want to persist those. So, Andy kind of talked about you know third-party partners for isolation a little bit uh, um, in the beginning as we started talking. So, what are thoughts about integrating app disk with third-party tools? You know, there's some products out there like FS Logics or even App V integration for having that kind of isolation or cloaking slash hiding of, of, of the applications? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because you, you always default to, hey, I'm going to create an app disk, so I'm going to install some MSI or EXE, right? The reality is, is an app disk is just capturing at an object level stuff that you're trying to install into a base image, but we're redirecting into a VMDK or VHD. So that could be an app V cache payload. Um, FS Logic is certainly going to help us a ton because they can help manage visibility of the the contents on the app disk, right? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, and it's funny you mentioned the the the, the FV package specifically. One of the biggest use cases I get asked, particularly around AppDisk, um, a lot of my customers will be Citrix customers, and um, that they, what they, they've had their hands burnt a number of times with with SMB slash um, hosting data or applications on file servers of some description. We've all been in through that headache before where a file server falls over and all of a sudden everybody's applications have have, uh, have died, you know. So the, the the interesting one for me was when we looked at AppDisk was, you know, hold on a second, I can put the AppV shared content store into a disk here. I can attach it at a storage level, which is far more robust. I don't have to worry that Microsoft's going to throw a little fit and fail the file server over. Um, for me, the, the, placing an AppV shared content store in an app disk actually makes a lot of sense. And you know, it's it's a it's a use case that you know I spoke with, with Stuart as well at, at Synergy about, and you know I think it it has traction there. But that's just me and AppV. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean. The, the magic of our filter driver is we make it indistinguishable from the OS of what's on, quote, the C volume versus what's an attached volume. So, you know, an install is nothing more than placing some files, folders, and registry settings into the system. So whether those are manually copied, manually created, or however they're done, you're just staging an environment that will, you know, work at runtime. So, yeah, to that point, I think there's probably a lot of creative way people may try to leverage um, AppDisk. Um, beyond just a traditional installer, if you will. So, go ahead, Andy. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, no, I agree with you more. I mean, I think it's interesting that you guys went straight for the UI, you know, UIA user installed apps before you went with the with the app layering, and and now you have the benefit to to quickly actually go back and reuse technology technology to do it. So I, I was, as I mentioned before, I was delighted to see that Citrix did decide to do it themselves, and um, I am I'm patiently waiting for uh, for for a beta so that I can really kick the tires and and play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, roll the clock back three years, and back then it was sort of. You know, dedicated machines were storage costly, so everyone was trying to do pooled and persist machine machine changes. So, you know, at the time it made sense because that's what everyone's pain point was. But then dedupe efficiencies with dedicated, you know, now it becomes less of a challenge. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it would have been great if we did them in parallel. But, you know, let's be honest, we learned a lot with PVD. You know, these filter drivers and these behaviors, you know, it's kind of like Thomas Edison, right? You learn 100 ways not to make a light bulb. So, you know, I think a lot of what we've learned through the course of travels we've done with personal VDisk is going to make the AppDisk technology all that more sound. So, you know, we kind of talked earlier about, you know, personal VDisk and AppDisk and kind of being the same background technology. And most of that leads down to to virtual machines. Is this always going to stay virtual machine based or any thoughts on looking at physical machines in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think we want to get our footing with the core capability of the product. Um, you know, physical, we've talked about since day one. If you guys remember RingCube with, uh, you know, their Moco, Mojo product, um, you know, they, they supported physical machines on that USB stick. So, you know, I think it was always been in the back of our mind, but it's kind of like, let's pick our battles and focus and get things right before we start expanding use cases. But, you know, right now it is hypervisor-based. I mean, there's a lot of value to potentially moving it to non-hypervisor storage, you know, like SMB-based storage to give some flexibility. Um, so I, I think I think physical is certainly not precluded, but, you know, certainly nothing we're going to do out the gate. Okay, well, I mean, it's interesting to hear that, you know, it, you, it is in the back of your mind. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a niche of a niche of a niche use case, in my opinion, but there, there, there obviously is ask for it. And obviously, you know, with Send Desktop and, you know, the, the remote PC technology, um, it, 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 you know, there, there are plenty of people using that, that functionality on physicals. I mean, even just to, ble- to bleed that life cycle, you know, and where, where there's opportunities for, 
for uh, for products to, to traverse that um, traverse that use case, then that would be awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, don't forget about HP Moonshot and, and use cases like that that yep. would would need that kind of scenario to support that because there is no hypervisor. Yeah, and today also with with support for PS to physical, you kind of have some use cases out there where it, it could be attractive for some customers. Oh, absolutely, and even in your HP Moonshot example, I be, like I mean, the last time I looked at the last person I was speaking to, um, I be, actually I believe it was Kevin from from FS Logics, and he he mentioned that um, you know the HP Moonshot devices have very small hard drives. You know, I mean, you can only get so much onto that onto that file system before you kind of run out of space. You know, so where where you have an opportunity to offload some of this stuff into a disk potentially, and then layer it over the top, then that would be good. But I, I suppose that's really going to be down to technology to filter and whether it can it can adapt to that. But anyway, look, I'm I'm getting way off course. <laughs> I I just want wanted to uh, pick your brains on, on the AppDNA uh, integration with, with AppDisk because, I mean, personally, I see this as Citrix's, um, you know, kind of ace up their sleeve, if you will. I mean, you have this really good um, uh, analysis engine for application compatibility and, and, and tooling. Um, and I think it's the one thing that, you're, that, that all of your competitors do not have if that makes sense, when it comes to making a layering technology where, you, in theory, you could actually use that engine to, to um to, uh, to to you know to, to to move from one to the other, or, or at least check your logic beforehand. Like, is there is there a plan to have AppDNA integrated with AppDisk at present, or how is it going to work? Yeah, absolutely. To, that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. Is you know, without change management, the, the easy part of this problem is creating a disk layer. To be perfectly frank, it's really easy to redirect content onto a disk and then mount the disk. That's easy to do. The hard part is is the clock ticks forward. Base images get updated. Java.NET components get updated, application layers get updated independently, are they going to conflict with each other? What's going to break? Um, and yeah, today you can pass it over to a bunch of people and say, hey, you know, give it a try, and they'll do the old trial and error testing. But what AppDNA does is it really understands the applications at a fundamental level. So you can basically say, I'm going to update this base image. Tell me what layers are going to break. Or I'm going to update these two layers. Do any other layers that these get combined with break? So it can track app-to-app dependencies, golden image layer dependencies. All those things that are changed gives you the change management to not just tell you whether it works or not, but give you the remediation if it doesn't work. So that's going to save a huge amount of time on just hoping you catch things that break that aren't obvious. I wonder. I mean, I, I, this is this is pie in the sky thinking, or at least you know, a feature that I would love to see would be the ability to upload an MSI or an, or an installer for an application and have it automatically spit out an app disk for that application. Is that something that you guys are thinking about at the moment? Or oh yeah, we already do that for AppV, right? AppDNA, you can say run this compa- run. Here's a hundred apps. Every app that's compatible with AppV, kick off the sequencer and sequence them. You come back, you know, tomorrow or whenever, and get your all get all the apps that are compatible sequenced. There's absolutely no reason we can't do that with AppDisk as well. That would be a killer feature. I mean, just to have that 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 uh, that engine that goes out and scans a, a, an SMB share or something for all the applications, and where possible, do as much you know, stick as much of them into disks the way you specified. Yeah, that that is a that is a killer killer feature. Yep, I, I agree. Yeah. AppDNA integration is a, is basically a, is, is or not basically, but AppDNA integration is the piece that kind of separates out from other products because instead of having to sit there and, and test and test and test, you know, AppDNA lets you join all that whole process and be able to be out front of that instead of being behind that. Well, you know what it does? It lets you test on the subjective aspect of the solution instead of the functional. And that's where you usually break down is the subjective experience users have with it. So, you know, why waste your testers' time just looking for break fixes when AppDNA can do that for you and tell you how to fix it? Exactly. So... 
you know, we're talking about the AppDNA integration. Will this function without AppDNA, or is it always going to be tied to AppDNA? No, I mean, you can't force people to use it. I mean, let's be honest. If people like the pain of the old way of testing, by all means, we're not going to rob them of that. But, you know, obviously we think the value of the solution is just like what you said is around AppDNA. So, yeah, if you want to use AppDisk on your own and figure out the layer ordering and conflicts and all that stuff, um, you know, you can go to it. Yeah, go have at it and, and spin, your, spin your cycles on that. Um, understood. Um, so some of the stuff at Synergy and everything and some of the stuff at the demo boost or the demo sandbox at Synergy – um, talked about machine-based assignment to start, so probably assign it by the delivery group or, or catalog in, inside as an apps and desktop. Um, any thoughts on moving to like a user-centric model? Um, possibly doing you know a Mount VHD type model like you guys used to have with app streaming, but without isolation. And then to kind of add on to that, would that user-centric model help the physical machine use case? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think ultimately you need both scenarios. Um, and, and again, this is where something like AppDNA can help you with, right? Because if you've got some real low-level drivers that are like in phase one of the boot process, you really need that VHD to be mounted really early in the boot to get compatibility for that app. But at the same time, that's absurd to do that with something like Evernote or Notepad++. You know, if the user goes to the App Store and says, hey, I want to get Evernote and Notepad, to make them log off or reboot the machine to get that is just kind of crazy, so you really need both. And, and again, this circles back to the app DNA is you want to be able to assess the applications and say, these applications require a boot time mount, and these ones require or can, if you choose, have a what I would call a runtime mount, you know, not requiring the user to do anything any more than when you install Evernote, you double click the, the install and it's done and you use it. You don't have to log off or anything. So yeah, we, we you definitely are gonna need both going down the road. You know, out of the gate, you know, the technology started in a boot attached model. And that's where we're starting with. But absolutely, we're going to expand that out to other modes as well. So it's kind of like you're getting that low-hanging fruit by using with what you have today and then expanding out later on to move to the user-based case. So it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great if we were further along in that respect. But, you know, quite honestly, boot time gives you max compatibility where runtime gives you max experience, so to speak, right? And um, and once we have AppDNA with the intelligence to help distinguish those and tell you what, it'll be easier to do that. Otherwise, you're kind of saying, hey, admin, you go choose whether you want boot or runtime, and hopefully it works. Understood. Okay. So, I mean, correct me here, because is it machine catalog or is it delivery group that is going to be bound to initially? Uh, you would just assign it to delivery groups. Delivery group. Okay. So realistically speaking, what you're looking at then is particular or potentially departmental um, delivery groups for for you know one or two app disks per delivery group where that 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 group of users all share a common application set. Would that be the approach that would be yeah, thought of? You know, the, so that's one of the things we've asked people early on, which was how are you going to decide? You know, so FDNA can tell you which apps to group together, but how are you going to assemble these? Um, you know, doing one app per layer is just not tenable, I don't think. You know, a lot of companies have 1,000, 2,000 apps. So how are you going to juggle 2,000, you know, VMDKs and try to deal with that? Um, sounds good on paper, but who knows what kind of efficiencies the OS is going to have trying to mount that many volumes and manage them. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, we have PVS. We could also just converge all those and stream them as a single entity as well. So there's some flexibility there as well. But, you know, in, in the end, I think we'll be watching how people use it and assemble it. AppDNA will help you order them and assemble it. But, you know, I think for the most part, it's going to be no different than AppDNA on how people kind of choose to organize, structure, and build their app disks because there really is no initial boundaries to that. 
Okay, I mean, you touched on an interesting point there as you went along um, to do with the, the the volume of applications in a in an organization versus the the the, the amount of uh, app disks you may need to to actually create. I mean, have you guys got like a golden number in your head, or, or you know, a proposed best practice or recommendation for how uh, many uh, app disks you can potentially attach before things might go start to go a little funny, or you you might have less confidence in the solution. Like, do you have a, a config maxim in in the back of your head for for how many potential app disks that could be connected to a VM? Yeah, I mean, there's probably two answers to that. One is what's the max volumes the hypervisor can deal with. Mm-hmm. That's one boundary, and then the other boundary is going to be. At what point does my scalability and performance number start drastically trailing off, right? Yeah. Okay, understood. So I think what we're going to do is, is, you know, again, you're always starting with some arbitrary starting point. And, you know, I'm not holding the engineering team to this, but, you know, we kind of threw around, you know, what do we do? Test with 25 app disks, do some scalability numbers, see how linear it is, and, you know, kind of go from there because you have to start somewhere. <clears throat> you know, is 25 too many? Is 25 not enough? You know, we'll, we'll probably just adjust as we go as customers start building it out. Okay, so is twenty five kind of kind of like a uh, an educated uh, uh, decision point to start from at the moment, or is it just a number that you no, just mentioned? It was, just, it, it was below the thresholds of all the hypervisors. Oh, okay, maybe by about halfway. So we just said, you know, this is always a function of how much time do you want to spend on testing it. So Understood. you know, kind of like remember when Zen Desktop came out and what they test first, like a thousand or five thousand desktops, and they did ten thousand and go up. It's just a starting point, and you know, hopefully the test results. Are pretty linear that they that you can kind of extrapolate what thirty app disks or fifty is. Um, if it's more erratic, we'll just have to keep testing more and, and kind of build up a baseline so people can get an understanding of what that environment's going to be like. Understood. Uh, feel free to. This is this is wandering a little off topic, um, but it's a question that a customer has faced me with before when coming to these kind of technologies. So, I mean, if Windows is requesting a file from one of those app disks, like is it going to ping through each one of those disks until it finds what it wants, or is the small Parts in the operating system going to tell it to go to which disk without having to look through them all? You know, that's a good question. Um, you know, the architecture of PVD, it just knew where everything was. Yeah. Um, and um, I would like to think that after start, so the capabilities there, if they did that in the initial implementation, I don't know if, you know, I know ordering does have an impact on it, so I don't know if it's truly just a random search. It may be some level of a sequential search. Okay, that's fine. Again, sorry to sorry to ask a question off topic, but uh, I just I it just popped into the back of my head. <laughs> sorry, Jerry. Oh, no, 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 it's actually a good question. Because so. uh, I'm sure everyone's going to ask that same question when we release it: is how how does the search algorithm work? Yeah. Okay. Cool. You know, I, I actually think that that's a good question, and not really off topic, but yeah, that's why I think um, your number of app disk and and so forth can also help when you integrate with FS Logics because you can put multiple things in a single app disk and then. Uh, cloak those or or hide those based on you know active directory groups. So I think a combination of app disk and FS Logic sounds like a really attractive solution um, when this releases. Yeah, I, I kind of suspect that there's going to be a middle ground there. You know, there's some things. You know, you're going to install an app disk with a bunch of applications that either have similar users or have some dependencies on each other that you're just doing it. Maybe their update cycle is about the same. You know, maybe they all have monthly updates, so you just do it with one. So, you know, I think there'll be some variance, but I, but I bet you there will be some kind of logical grouping people do to create an app disk. 
And, um, you know, FDNA will be there to kind of help you that, hey, if you want to group those together, is that going to be a problem? So, I mean, it's, it's, I have, I've had this conversation with a customer as well. Um, it, was, it was with a, with a different product, and they were trying to figure out how were they going to carve out these disks based on what applications are going in there versus what's going out there. And there doesn't seem to be, a, you know, a unified or... or um, a good published white paper from anybody to say, you know, this is kind of how you should approach this. Whether you go departmental first, whether you what applications go into your base, what applications go into disk, that kind of stuff. So um, I may even be a challenge myself and Jerry and take on board now that I'm thinking. So <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a, it, it is a conundrum at the moment to 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 to, to do that layout and and feature set. And obviously, AppDNA is going to help that immensely. Um, so you know, I I, I get that. Um, and the the twenty five number, to be honest, I. I don't think that I don't think that number is is going to be a hindrance or a or or, or you know or or an issue for now. I mean because I mean if you're if you're scaling up to more than twenty five in theory, why are you still using the same base image? Would be my answer. So um, yeah, no, but it's it's interesting to have a figure that we can kind of aim for and draw out, um, and then you know from there if if the if the technology allows for more and more and more, well then that's your that's your emergency bucket, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I agree. So we touched on um, AppDNA a lot through this. Um, so, you know, with the AppDNA integration, it sounds like, you know, with AppDNA being a platinum feature, um, it kind of sounds like this is, you know, gearing to be a platinum only feature. But any thoughts on being included in the, in the other editions, maybe without AppDNA integration? You know, what are your thoughts on packaging for this going forward? So, sorry, Dave, I'm actually going to jump in there, Jerry, and you just made an assumption this isn't going to be a separate paid for product. So, uh, is this going to go in with platinum? <laughs> would be the question, I suppose. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's just like PBD. It's just going to be a, a another object you can manage in your your Zenapps and desktop deployments. Uh, it's certainly not going to be a separate skewed item. Um, you know, I, obviously, you know a lot of this. You know, I can give you kind of my opinion on this. Obviously, it's subject to change. You know, we typically don't talk about you know entitlements and, and additions. Um, but, you know, it does to me feel like just an inherent capability of a way to manage your applications, be it published or otherwise. And, you know, with Platinum, you get the added ability of AppDNA Management and giving you that change management experience as well. So, you know, on the surface, that kind of feels like um, a good fit. But, you know, who knows what the final packaging is? Yeah, I, I would agree with that because that was kind of my thinking, too, is that, you know, with AppDNA, you, you get the Platinum functionality um, or with, with Platinum, you get the AppDNA functionality and then, in any other editions, you don't get the app DNA, but you still get the, the base app disk feature. So, be interesting to see how that final packaging um, is once, once it's launched. Well, yeah, and let's be honest. I mean, let's say I've got ten apps that I put into, you know, ten app disks or five app disks or however many. Maybe I don't want the overhead of app DNA for that amount. I'm just fine doing it manually. I mean, again, you know, we you don't want to force people having to use anything. I mean, if we've done management right, they'll want to use it. So, you know, really the burden's on us is if we do this right, there's going to be no question everyone will want to use AppDNA to manage it. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And to be honest, I, I, if it was platinum or even below, I'd, I'd, I'd welcome a, a, a strong and rich feature like this to, um, to, to the platinum skew. Because, I mean, obviously, the, we've had a lot of products from Zenap 6.5 who hit the cutting room floor. Um, and this, this, would, uh, this would really be serious value in that, uh, in that skew. Um, so, yeah, no, from, from that point of view, I, I, I'd absolutely welcome it. I think if, if I think about it, though, I mean, since then, Desktop 7, I think this is actually the first real new piece of technology to be included in the platform. Would that be fair? 
Uh, you mean versus just a lot of the uh, porting over the IMA capabilities, definitely? Yeah, yeah. so I mean, obviously, we've, we've had a lot of functionality uh, pieces that have been brought along. I mean, obviously, the storefront has received its fair share of upgrades um, to, to to get back to some of what web interface could do. Um, you know, session recording, that kind of stuff has come back into uh, Zen, or, you know, um, into, into Zen app from, from a previous feature. But I think, would it be fair to say that that disk is, is the, the first new feature? Well, I, w- I would say I can tell you what topics it seems like everyone gets excited about. You know, storefront, obviously, as you know, that evolves from web interface. You know, the Framehawk protocol capabilities have been huge. You know, everyone's just chomping at the bits for those. The link optimization kits and, yeah, app disks. I think those are the ones that I see that tend to garner a lot of excitement around the core Zen apps and desktop offering. Oh, I, 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 I'd agree with you on everything except for Framehawk just yet because I think we need to see the, the, the full support for Netscaler before we can really get behind us. But um, okay. it, is, it is a new piece of technology, and you're right, yeah, that, that has come out since. And it's going to be multiple phases. So to your point, who knows how big step one will be versus waiting for step two or three. Yeah, because today we have step one from off today for internal access, and then hopefully step two will be the Netscaler integration, which we, we, we all saw in the blog that uh, was posted. It's coming soon, so hopefully it's sooner than, than later because that's one of the more use cases I see for that product or get asked about today. So, But it, it's good to see, like Andy was saying, this net new feature coming for um, in 7.6 with, with AppDNA. So we look forward to the release, release of that and, and seeing how it's packaged and, and put forth going forward and how you guys um, add value onto that over time. Um, but on a personal note, um, we asked this to all of our guests on, on Frontline Chatter here. Um, away from Citrix, you know, kind of what market or technology, you know, are you kind of keenly watching, you know, and what excites you about it? It can be anything. Um, you know, I, I guess I have to say, you know, the more and more things that are collapsing on our mobile phones, I, I'm really looking forward to a time when it can be much more closely tied to our payment and identity, you, you know, be it driver's license, passport or whatever. It, it certainly seems like it would be nice to be able to carry everything on one device. And I know they're kind of making progress with, you know, the, the Apple Pay and stuff like that, but it doesn't seem to be as ubiquitous quite yet for everyone. Yeah, I would agree on oh, that. Yeah. Having to carry- oh, yeah. Having to carry your passport and passes. We get little pockets of it with boarding passes here or there, but you know, I still feel like it could really replace things like uh, driver's licenses and things of that nature, and credit cards and, and and whatnot. Oh yeah, no, I completely get that. I mean, the, the ability to carry your life around on a on a device uh, without having to, to break out into separate apps and potentially, bat, you know, worse integration. Uh, I mean, even if if you look at the the, the the cloud apps that we have today to to manage our pictures, to manage our, our identities, to store our passwords, to store all of these other kind of things, they're all they're all kind of split brain. So I think the more the more that um, these vendors do to bring these together to create your kind of pocket. Lifestyle, if that if that's um, if that's fair, I, I'd I'd absolutely welcome that. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's definitely something that I want to see. You know, some people kind of freak out and go, "Well, what are you going to do if you leave your phone or lose it?" And it's like it's a lot better than leaving my wallet because, quite honestly, it's protected by a pin usually initially. In worst case, I can usually remote reset it and you know protect that information. So to me, it feels a little bit safer than carrying around my ID and my credit card in my wallet. Exactly, because you know having to go call every credit card company and say I lost my wallet and having those canceled, getting new ones, um, you know that's a big hassle. And being able to just say, hey, I can wipe that right away and know that you know at least for a matter of time they're not going to get that information. Whereas if it's my wallet, they've got that right there and you start charging things right away. 
So yeah, I definitely look forward to a time we can do that because especially with your passport yeah, yeah. and your ID, because what happens, you know, you lose that when you're out of the country sometimes, or even on a, on a, just a regular flight, you have no ID. It's kind of hard getting back. I, I've been in a situation before where I actually was, um, I actually got mugged and trying to fly back from, from Indiana to back down to Texas. You know, it was, t- it took pretty much a lot of interviews and a lot of hassling to be able to fly back home so I could get a new ID. Yeah, wouldn't it have been nice just to walk into the local phone store, get a compatible phone, and then, you know, pull your info back down on it? Exactly. I could go to anywhere, you know, get a new iPhone, get an Android phone, log in, pull my profile down, here you go, I'm ready to go home. So I, hey, I, that, that's actually mention, a really good, uh, good, good use case there. I could be didn't mention Windows Phone. I'm a Windows Phone user. Well, Windows Phone, too. I just don't use Windows Phone as much. <laughs> the most Windows <laughs> Phone I use is for testing Zen Mobile and other mobility products, so I'm, I'm primarily an iOS user. I think I'll definitely be buying a Windows phone now with Windows 10 coming out. Obviously, that whole desktop integration piece where you can take your app and you can blow it up onto a monitor. I don't think it's quite Nirvana phone yet, but it's definitely something that I want to play with. Um, I, I kind of uh, I've, I've been an Apple purist. Well, not purist, just I, I, I don't like change. So <laughs> I've been using Apple for the longest amount of time. Tried, tried Android, did not sit, sit with me well at all. Um, and the Windows, the Windows side of things just didn't, see, didn't seem to receive as much development love or have as many apps as potentially the Apple Store. So I haven't, I haven't moved for, for, for nearly nine years or eight years. So, yeah, no, but I am, I am keenly watching um, Windows 10 on the phone for, for some of those desktop features. It looks to be um, it looks to be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I, I, second that. yeah I think I, uh, I think I fell in love with the Windows Phone. Is the day you got it, where you can immediately uninstall all the pre-installed stuff. That sold me on it. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, dragging it way off topic now, but th- th- does th- like I know with Android, one of the biggest frustrations that, that my friends share with me is um, they have to wait for their particular hardware vendor to to, to release patches before um, before it's actually pushed across. But I mean, with, with a Windows Phone, can you literally just take updates from from Microsoft directly? Yep, just like Windows Update. Oh, brilliant. Okay. So, so I, yeah, I stick with Nokia Lumias because they're so tightly integrated that it, it's just. In place upgrade, like I went from eight to eight one in place upgrade, and the Windows ten will probably be the same. Wonderful. Well, hopefully Nokia will remain to be, but <laughs> we'll see in time, I suppose. Yeah, we'll I'll, I'll have to test that out on my, on my phone, my Windows device, and do the upgrade and testing. Because that's one thing I did notice too that the management was a lot better on that than you can do on Android. And yeah, and I agree, having to wait for those upgrades from your carrier can be a pain on the Android platform. Or, or typically that's because they. Uh, the ROM based, right? And yeah. Windows is just an install. It's install. There's no ROM. And typically, Google's the first, and then the rest trickle down. You know, weeks, months later, uh, on those phones. So yeah, uh, I'll definitely check out Windows Phone as well with a new upgrade. Indeed. Okay. Awesome. Uh, well. Um... Um, David, I just wanted to thank you immensely for your for your time today. Um, I've, I I learned uh, a good bit, and I'd been briefed already on on AppDisk, so that was that was very very interesting. It seems to be that the the two you know real strong partners with this are going to be AppDNA and AppDisk, and from from what I've heard from 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 you talking to us today, it, it's it's set to be a, a pretty killer feature um, to um, to be delivered. So I'll be watching patiently, as I'm sure our, our listeners will. And um, best of luck with the with the final round testing. Uh, I suppose um, is is what I'm wishing you. And um, before before we close down, I just wanted to um, thank our sponsors. Hooray! We um, we have been very uh, fortunate to have received uh, three new sponsors who like what we do and have decided that they want to help us do more of it. So to Control Up, um, to uh, FS Logics, and to Liquidware Labs, thank you 
immensely for choosing to sponsor us. And um, we hope we can carry on to do what we're doing, uh, maybe even a little more professionally. <laughs> now that we have, we have some, uh, now that we have some nice people looking after us. Yes, and then thank you again, uh, Dave, for taking the time and coming on today. Um, for myself and Andrew Morgan, thank you for listening to the Frontline Chatter podcast, and we'll catch you next time.